Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It seems we've all become students of economics and the supply chain during this pandemic. Thanks to the increased demand for products that had become scarce, prices are through the roof on everything from new cars and TVs to meat poultry, and paper goods. And it doesn't stop at everyday necessities. There's even sticker shock on Christmas trees, both real and artificial, this holiday season. The higher prices, and in many cases a shortage of goods, is thanks to the still-disrupted supply chain, that interconnected system of delivering goods and services around the world. Back in June, Connect the Dots brought you an entire episode on the supply chain crisis, exploring how big car companies were suffering from the shortages of microchips and how restaurants were grappling with the Russian demand for patio furniture amid the new COVID protocols. There were even fears then that shelves would be empty during the holidays, impacting what presents you could buy. The economic impact was so dramatic, it forced the White House to get involved. The president convened a roundtable of top retail executives at the White House as his administration tackles a major slowdown in the delivery of goods and supplies, coupled with inflation. Consumer spending has recovered to where it was uh, headed before the pandemic. Monday, the White House highlighted additional steps to address the backlog at the ports of Long Beach and Los Angeles. This week on Connect the Dots, the supply chain is limping back to health. We'll look at how measures to break the logjam of container ships lined up at ports on both coasts is working. We'll see how the auto industry seems to have gotten on steadier footing. And we'll hear from a maritime expert who says the supply chain crisis is also a workers' rights crisis. I'm Linda Lopez, and this is Connect the Dots from Odyssey, a weekly podcast where we draw together multiple perspectives to unpack a single compelling story. Here in New York City, you know the problem is serious when business owners are reporting a shortage of supplies to make the cream cheese for our bagels. People are just going to have to learn to live without it until it comes back. That's one thing Scott Goldshine, general manager at Zaybar, says he's learned to do during the pandemic. We're all scrambling. I made a bunch of calls. Uh, I need approximately 10,000 pounds of cream cheese to make it through the next three weeks. I have only about five on hand, and that was through begging people that I know. And uh, we're trying to see uh, how to get more. To be clear, the shortage here is of raw cream cheese products that manufacturers ship to bagel stores, allowing them to make their own custom products. According to the New York Times, suppliers blame everything on a shortage of workers, a scarcity of packing materials to keep the products fresh, and increased demand. 
always deals with disruption level events, but nothing that we've seen to the degree that we're facing now throughout the, the pandemic. Jonathan Gold is vice president of supply chain and custom policy for the National Retail Federation. We've always seen poor congestion because of some kind of situation, whether weather related or something else, that's usually led to a slowdown, but nothing that has really shut things down or clogged up the system like we're seeing today. Unfortunately, with the pandemic, we have just seen the, the demand for goods and inputs have just far outpaced the available supply of everything that's needed to not only make those goods, but to transport those goods and inputs as well. So every step along the way within the supply chain is facing some sort of disruption issue that's impacting every other step along the way. Gold does believe things are getting better, and he gives credit to the president and his team for taking on the challenge earlier this year. The port envoy in early June certainly was a very good first step to getting the key stakeholders in a room to continue to talk through some of the, the challenges and issues that we're facing. Many of those challenges still exist today, but we are starting to see some movement, especially when you look at the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, and the fact that they're able to move some of those containers that have been sitting for, for quite a while. Unfortunately, we're still seeing a backup of, of ships that continue, and you're still seeing challenges with the ability to uh, return equipment, such as empty containers, and ongoing challenges with uh, chassis not being available, and just ongoing workforce issues that continue to impact the supply chain as well. But with that being said, we are seeing some loosening um, that is benefiting some some companies. You know, many retailers have been working through mitigation strategies to try and address some of the situations as well. You know, some of that was bringing product in earlier than they normally would, looking at alternate ports, using air freight, and some larger retailers even took steps to uh, charter their own vessels. Despite the concerns about supply chain issues, Gold and his National Retail Federation are still bullish on the holiday shopping season that we're now in the middle of. I think we're still sticking with our with our holiday sales measurements. Again, we're looking at I think eight and a half to ten and a half percent increase in holiday sales over last year. And I think again our, our overall sales this year will be up uh, as compared to twenty twenty, which again were record levels. Uh, that pent up demand just continues. I think consumers you know, want to go out and spend and celebrate, especially the holidays. Uh, we just got through the holiday weekend with Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, and you know those numbers looked very good as well. I think consumers are becoming more educated about the ongoing supply chain challenges. And part of that is we've seen consumers shop earlier in the holiday season than they have in the past as well. The supply chain problem was especially painful this year in the auto industry. In fact, when we last tackled this topic in June, we heard from our auto industry expert, Jeff Gilbert, that some car makers literally shut down plants because of a shortage of computer chips and other parts needed to produce autos. Jeff Gilbert is also the auto industry reporter for WWJ News Radio in Detroit, and I asked him how things are today. It's not as bad as it was when, when last we talked in the summer. Car makers have made a number of adjustments. They found some new sor- sources of chips, and also they found ways to basically stretch the supplies a bit. So the vast majority of car plants are up and running. Car makers are still having to stockpile some vehicles that, that they make uh, until the chips come in. But for the most part, Things are holding together tenuously, but car makers are obviously worried about any any shocks to the system because the, the supply chain is still very fragile. 
We know that consumers were also not always getting what they needed. Is production getting better right now for the industry? It's better. I would say we have bottomed out and are climbing up from the bottom. So so car plants are running. Car makers obviously are prioritizing their most profitable models, models their most popular models, the trims that make them the most money, but they're also doing some creative things. Uh, for, for example, General Motors, this is, this is very interesting. Uh, a few weeks ago, it leaked out that uh, they were going to take heated seats out of some of their lower level trims. Hmm. Well, dealers got in an uproar about this and said, wait a second, this is one of our most popular options. Sure. So they went back to the drawing board and they found a way to, to make some of these vehicles where the heated seats won't work at first if you buy them. But after the chips come in, you can bring it back to the dealership for free. They'll install the chips and they'll activate the seats. So car makers are getting very creative to both sell vehicles, but but also give customers what they want and spread out that chip supply the best they can. Right. So striking to think about things like that. You know, we keep hearing that forecasting has a lot to do with the supply issues. For example, what we're seeing now you know, on supply lines or coming off the lines might be something that was forecast months ago. And so explain that a little bit to us and what do we see going forward? Yeah, for first to start with, forecasting is what caused all this, an error in forecasting back when the pandemic first hit. The, the forecasts were for just a tremendous drop in car sales. So car makers cut back their chip orders. And then when that drop in car sales was a lot briefer than they expected, uh, they had to order chips that weren't available that had been sold somewhere else to consumer appliances and the like. Right now, car makers are forecasting a, a strong demand next year. Take, take a look at this year. They were expecting about 16 to 17 million vehicles to be sold for the whole year. It'll probably be closer to 15 million. So what, what's happening with that million and a half vehicles that weren't sold? Well, those were people who didn't find what they want. So the forecasts say that those people will likely come back when inventories are fuller. There's no guarantee of that. There could be an economic shock. There could be something else that 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 makes them say, no, I don't want to buy a car now. But at least the forecasters feel that those vehicles that weren't sold this year will be sold next year. So with that kind of forecast, that's how they're adjusting their production. Does it look like they that car manufacturers might be keeping the forecasts a little light just because they want to, you know, reduce the need for supplies or reduce the pressure that might be put on them? Uh, the, the forecasting is a very careful art. You don't want to forecast wrong either way because you don't want to get into a situation where you don't make enough vehicles to meet demand. That's a problem. I mean, if I'm with Ford and I don't have enough vehicles and, you know, a, a shopper is going to go across the street to Toyota and maybe look at what they want and you may lose somebody who had been a loyal customer for the rest of their life. So you don't want to make too few vehicles, but again, you don't want to make too many vehicles. If you take a look back at the Great Recession, 2009, car makers were pumping out a lot of SUVs, and they had to sell those vehicles when gas prices got in the $4 a gallon range back then. They had to sell those vehicles at a deep loss. So uh, you, it, it's an art. And if they don't get it right, they're in trouble. Despite the challenging year for automakers in the U.S., they've actually managed to do really well because uh, of a couple of things. First, they've been able to 
juggle the demand a bit so that the, the best-selling products are, are, are in dealer lots. If you take a look at a dealer lot right now, it may seem empty, but the products on the lot tend to be pickups and SUVs, vehicles with higher profit margins. They'll also find a way to order you one of those vehicles so you can get it. If you want to buy a vehicle like a Chevy Malibu or a Chrysler 300, to a lesser extent, maybe a, a Chrysler minivan, those are hard to find because Car makers have been taking the chips away from those vehicles to make them more profitable vehicles. So it, it's kind of counterintuitive. Normally, we see tons of vehicles that aren't popular because they're not selling. Right. Now, those non-popular vehicles aren't even being made, and the popular vehicles are there. So that has created some very nice profits for the car makers, uh, added to the fact that there's still a lot of money in the economy. And when people do want to come out and buy a car, they generally buy it with all of those options, including the heated seats we talked about earlier. Right. So they're paying for things that are fully loaded. They're paying all the premiums. When we Exactly. And when we last spoke, um, because of the chip shortages and the supply chain issues, used cars were going at really high prices. Is that still the case for consumers now? Yep. And the, the price has been uh, going nowhere but up. There was a brief respite late in the summer where they moderated a bit, but they continue to go up because, uh, again, consumers who can't find a new car will often go to a used car. Uh, the used car market generally is about twice as large as, as the new car market. So you've got a lot of people in there to begin with. So that's created a shortage. So, so the good news is if you have a vehicle to sell and you don't necessarily want to buy a new one or, or, or you know you can get something you really want new, this may be one of the best times ever to sell a used vehicle. And Gilbert tells us people are actually making money buying vehicles that are coming off leases and flipping them at a good profit, given the demand for used cars. American ingenuity at its best. Speaking of American ingenuity at its best, uh, Checker Spot is a advanced materials company. Our technology is rooted in biotechnology. Uh, we're actually um, working with microorganisms to produce oil profiles, some of which are designed intentionally to mimic petroleum oil profiles. We didn't understand it at first either. But consider that petroleum-derived products are everywhere you turn from the fibers in your carpet, to the plastic in items like your computer and coffee maker, to the petroleum jelly in your lip balm. Forbes describes CheckerSpot as an innovative materials company making new, better products through biochemistry and production that delivers materials in a cleaner, greener way. So what does this have to do with the supply chain crisis? Matt Sternbenz is general manager of Winter Sports for CheckerSpot. As devastating as the pandemic has been, as harmful as the deep freeze in the South last winter, and the hurricanes that have come through the Gulf and have negatively impacted people's lives and the industrial complex that serves North America from Southern Texas, it has been wildly beneficial for Checker Spot because it has exposed weakness in what was previously a really strong foundation to a supply chain. Now, all of a sudden, materials are in scarcity. Big chemical companies are hoarding raw materials. Costs are rapidly changing overnight sometimes. These problems are more than just costs. It's availability. 
it's shutting down production. And so absolutely, absolutely, this has been good for us in a way that it's helped us at least accelerate the introduction of our technology capabilities. As Sturbenz explains it, CheckerSpot is also a vertically integrated company. Not only do they make this innovative raw material, they operate a winter sports manufacturing company that uses that new type of plastic in production of skis and, soon, snowboards. They are the manufacturer and the supplier. As recent as, say, 2019, one of the challenges was supply chain. That wasn't necessarily an area that we were seeking to solve a problem for when we started in 2015. But of course, retaining technologies, developing materials that then play a role in consumer products, interacting with the consumer who's consuming that product, that vertical integration has weighed heavily in our favor. Had we not had that vertical integration, we would be similar to other companies in the space, desperately leveraged by the, you know, the impact of logistics, the impact in workforce, and the rising costs as it relates to those raw material incumbents that make up our consumer products. So while we definitely did not set out to create a company solely because we knew that there was going to be impending impact of what was has become this pandemic and, and global supply chain crises, that has just been another feather in our cap that internally we can lean on ourselves to deliver on the materials that make our product unique in the space and minimize the amount of dependency we have on global supply chain. Checkerspot is an amazing story of innovation and ingenuity that American businesses can learn a lesson from. The reason the company branched out to include a winter sports brand is to show that its innovative ideas for raw material production actually has a use in consumer goods. It's that kind of thinking that has allowed some businesses to thrive during the pandemic and, frankly, avoid supply chain issues in the future. Well, with our consumer product, Wonder Alpine, and the current application being winter sports skis and soon-to-be snowboards, we're definitely working hard to get ahead in terms of any raw materials that we need to source to complement the fabrication of that product. We're trying to get a year's worth of material in advance. In some ways, we're no different than some of those chemical companies that are hoarding materials just so that they don't have the um, vulnerability of running out. Absolutely. But then we're also you know, gifted with the opportunity that some of our materials that we depend on are materials which we create ourselves. And then materials that are otherwise held up in supply chain logistics, we're creating that material. That's the benefit of being vertically integrated in today's day. And furthermore, being domestically integrated. We're fairly close in proximity, headquartered in Alameda, just outside of Oakland, and then fabricated and, and distributed in Salt Lake City, Utah. Most of our business is very local, and the brands of which we started to now deliver bulk ingredients to, who are seeing the value of our technologies and our consumer products and are now incorporating into theirs, are also seeing the value of being domestically sourced, being neighborly or um, geographically oriented. Well, 
any update on the supply chain must tackle the issues that have tied up our ports on both coasts. Those long lines of cargo freighters are still there in many spots, but opening up the ports to 24-hour-a-day operations and making more room to store the empty containers has most definitely helped. But the issues of worker shortages all along that chain still remain to some degree. So we wanted to hear more about what's happening with this cargo logjam. We reached out to self-proclaimed lifelong mariner Guy Platten. Yeah, I so ran away to sea when I was 18 years old, and uh, I'm a master mariner by, by, by profession and trade and certificate, and I've always been in the industry, so it's a, an incredible industry. Today, Platten is the Secretary General of the International Chamber of Shipping, the lobbying arm of ship owners associations from around the world. We met him in New York to talk about the problems in the supply chain that were exposed well before the pandemic. We have done. I think what's shown into sharp relief is, is when there is an incident. For example, the uh, ultra-large container ship, the Ever Given, uh, running aground in the Suez Canal, blocking it for six and a half days. At one point, there was well over 300 ships waiting each end of the, of the canal to get through. And we did see it took weeks and weeks and weeks for that, those delays to sort of unwind. And, and, and the cost was in, in the billions of dollars in, in, as each day it was happening. And now, we, you know, we're seeing... When you've got the congestion in the ports, some of it due to COVID restrictions, some of it increased demand, you're seeing ships stacked up and delays happening to that. And, you know, the, the whole just-in-time supply chain that we've been relying on for so many years, I think has shown up how fragile that is, that little blockages, which cumulatively can make into to massive differences in terms of people getting hold of the goods they need and, and the economic slowdown that that can engender if it's, these things aren't solved. Platten is optimistic about the efforts being made to free up the ports to ease the current supply chain slowdown. I think there's huge efforts being made to try and get around this. And it's not just in the United States. We've seen that elsewhere around the world. You know, it's, it's just the sheer, I suppose it's economics 101. You, you, you constrain supply because you've got restrictions and you've got more bureaucracy and you've got delays. And you increase demand, which is what's happened because people, instead of spending the money in restaurants and theatres and things like that, have ordered goods. You've got, the, uh, you've got this absolutely perfect storm of a, of a situation. And that will unravel. There's no doubt they will get back to normal. But it's, it's, we're talking months rather than, than days before that, that happens. And we are seeing progress in the last few weeks. We have seen the congestion starting to ease and huge efforts being put into it. But it's still a long way to go before it's, it's back, to, back to normal. So you think we're going to live with delays and you think we're going to live with shortages of consumer goods and such? Uh, well into 2022? Uh, absolutely, but it will sort itself out because shipping always does. We're a resilient industry. Um, but I think if there's one lesson hopefully governments can take from this is, is you ignore the supply chain at your peril. Um, and uh, it's all working perfectly until it doesn't. And when it doesn't, suddenly people haven't got the goods that, they, that, that they're, they're looking for. Platten is passionate about these issues and he makes clear that it's more than just about container ships and cargo. He believes the supply chain crisis is also a workers' rights issue that needs attention. Transport workers have borne the brunt of all the restrictions and they're just because they're just trying to do their job. So you've had crews which have been well beyond their contract lengths because they can't change out because restrictions there. You've had airline crews who, who, who go from quarantine to quarantine, you know, so they, they've done a flight, come back and have to go into quarantine again and then go out and do another flight. You've had road haulage workers, you've had truck drivers who've spent 14 days at international borders not able to cross. So... It, and it's, I think what's the frustration for it is it's so unnecessary if governments could act collectively 
rather than individually. What we've seen is every country puts their own restrictions on rather than thinking the bigger picture and yet people have still wanted the supply chain to function, they've still wanted their goods and you know during lockdown everyone was ordering you know all sorts of additional stuff which has caused increased demands and it's like but they want all of that but and governments want to see that happen but they're not looking at the actual the oil which makes it all happen which is the transport workers. As for solving this issue for these essential workers, Platten knows who should take the lead. Well, I think the United States can do as well. I think, to be fair, the U.S. has been had a pretty good record. They were the first to open up vaccinations for overseas seafarers, and well over 70 ports around the U.S. allow that. That's that was a that was a game changer, quite frankly. And so I think you, you can get some international leadership from the United States, some like-minded countries as well, and to get an international coordinated response. I mean, one of the bizarre things is, for example, every country has its own different vaccination requirements. There's no common international vaccine certificate. Um, and so, and we've had cases of seafarers having to be vaccinated by three or four different types because the country they're going to doesn't accept XYZ vaccines. So that international effort would really love the US uh, and others to actually let's let's make sure we can solve because they're all solvable that I suppose that's been it comes if I sound frustrated because I am because it's so solvable <laughs> it's, it's it's this is not a, a difficult issue if people sat down and said right let's let's agree it it make a huge difference it, it's it's about facilitating travel I'm not talking about people like me who's, who's tra- you know I'm traveling on business but I'm talking people who actually have to travel because that's their job to travel um, and and they're the people we should focus on and get some sort of international coordinated response we've we've spoken with we're speaking with the World Health Organization on Monday we've spoken to the International Labour Organization we've spoken to the UN we, we've spoken to lots of different organizations they all see the issue but until countries act in a coordinated inter- with an international effort, it's, it's, it's not going to be solved. Something that's pretty obvious to Guy Platten and to Jonathan Gold from the National Retail Federation. Remember, we heard him at the top of the episode. Both believe the wild card today is the impact of the Omicron variant. And frankly, any variants that might be right behind it. I think prior to the new variant being, being discovered, you know, most experts would agree that we would continue to see some of the disruption issues well into 2022, potentially you know, the first half, maybe a little bit longer, depending on how the reaction was. But the new the new variant certainly could could further disrupt that. Um, but I think you know folks continue to try and work through these these issues. Um, we'll continue to do so going forwards. But I think one of the things we need to look at now is basically the future of our supply chain. How do we make ourselves more resilient, not resting on our laurels, going back to the way things were prior to the pandemic? Because again, a lot of these issues existed previous to that. So we've got to work now on how do we make sure we address them now and be better prepared for the future. This episode of Connect the Dots was written and produced by Tim Scheld, Dempsey Pilat, and me. The executive producer and editor of Connect the Dots is Mallory Samara. Subscribe to Connect the Dots so you never miss an episode. You can find us on the Odyssey app and on Apple or Google Podcasts. From WCBS 880 in New York, I'm Linda Lopez. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 